welcome to The Lux Files, a podcast for occultists about occultists. I'm your host, Sean, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to subscribe to The Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on all the new episodes. Okay, everyone, welcome to The Lux Files, Wiccan author thorn mooney hello hello hello, thorn thank you for having me oh thanks for for coming on i'm really happy that you agreed to come on thank you how are you doing okay doing okay i mean Um, work and summer and i don't know i've got a day job too so yeah balancing balancing all the things gets tricky and yeah yeah you're good though like just general life everything's great yeah general life i mean i don't I, yeah ask me from day to day i don't know how are right. you right like it's it's a global pandemic and things are open and like i'm glad i have a job that's good so mm. like yeah i'm good i guess yeah yeah <laughs> no that's good i'm in this i'm i feel like i'm in this weird place like where my province is slowly transitioning into more of an opening and it just it feels weird like it just I don't know everything just feels off you know and and for me because I work from home um in in a way I kind of didn't really see the effects of because I mean at a couple of points, my province was completely shut down. Like nothing's open except for pharmacies and grocery stores. Um, um, oh, and Walmart, because uh, the CEO of Walmart um, told my premier on the phone, my premier is not great, um, that it would be too difficult um, for when they uh, closed uh, non-essential shopping, it would be too difficult for Walmart to manage. So my premier is like, okay, that's fine. We'll send everyone to Walmart and just pack in the stores. So it's just weird. Cause I don't know. Cause I mean, I can go days without leaving my house anyways um, during the normal times, like, especially when I'm really busy with orders. So I don't know. I just feel weird. I feel like everything's just weird right now because like half open this and half close I don't know I don't know I'm just tired I'm just and then I had 77 boxes of wax show up this afternoon at my house I mean that's a good thing because I was literally out of all wax and I'm out of stock on like half of my beeswax candles which has never happened before but that's just this is like the worst day of of my my business is when these wax orders arrive because it's just like this one this was like only half a ton but like sometimes I'll order a ton of wax and it's just lifting all the boxes up the stairs and down the stairs and it's like well I love that when you say a ton, you mean a literal like ton. Like a literal ton. Like a literal, literal ton. I know. I've seen yeah. you. I've seen you on Twitter with yeah. your pictures of shipments. And I think they mean a literal ton. A literal <laughs> ton. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty crazy. It's it's pretty crazy. Like one spare bedroom is literally just stacks of boxes of wax. And then I'm here. Well, everyone that listens to my podcast already knows like I'm I'm 
like in my ritual room right now and it's looking a bit like a warehouse right now just with all the 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 stacks of of boxes because um like come you know tomorrow i'm gonna be just mia for the next couple of weeks because i'm just gonna have to hammer out all of these these candles because i have pending orders from distributors and yeah and no stock so what a good problem to have though. You know? It really like, is. I mean, my business almost doubled last year during the pandemic and so many people, you know, went the other direction. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely fortunate. Um, yeah, it's a good problem to have, um, to be out of stock because so many people want my candles and, and to have so much wax show up at the same time, you know, life could be worse life could be worse but it smells good in here i will say that so i'm it, sure it does yeah yeah so enough about me because as a, as a amazing of a person that i am and i'm endlessly fascinating we're not here to talk about me we're here to talk about you so i'm going to start with you where i start with all of my guests and well first of all what are you drinking i'm drinking a moscow mule but i'm obviously drinking it in the wrong glassware I've never um, heard what a, I've never heard of Moscow Mule. So um, they're very popular right now. They're super trendy, and part of it is because they're delicious, but they're also just really easy to make. It is um, it's lime juice with um, I like to add a little bit of simple syrup, so it's not like so like in your face sour, um, and then about a shot of vodka, and then ginger beer. Oh, ginger beer is delicious. Um, I use a mixer that's non-alcoholic. Some people will use the alcoholic variety, mm -hmm. but if you if you enjoy like ginger snap cookies, yeah. yeah, it's like that. It's spicy and the citrus. It's delicious. Oh, um, but they're good. they're traditionally consumed out of copper mugs. Okay, uh, but I'm not that fancy, so this is <laughs> and copper's expensive. So yeah, glass. Yeah. Um, and as for me, as you can see, I have a glass of clear liquid, which is clearly just straight 12, 16 ounces of straight vodka. Yes, that's exactly what that is. Yeah, because I don't drink water. So, yeah. So anyways, cheers. Cheers. So my first question for you is, well, I guess it's not so much of a question. It's more of a demand. Um, so your first sort of experience um uh, that's like that seminal you know moment or maybe string of of experiences that kind of set you on your path that you know led you to to wicca or or, or whatnot um were you sure. like was it something in childhood what was it uh <laughs> It was a combination of things. I, I feel like most of us could probably tell you an origin story about how like as children, we were really into fairy tales or mythology or whatever. And that was no less true for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the things that really got me going um, was horror. I loved horror movies. I definitely watched them like way earlier and younger than I should have. Um, and I had, and by had, I mean have, a werewolf obsession. Okay. So like, I remember seeing like the Howling series, which are like bad but amazing, right? Um, and being really into werewolves. And 
when I realized kind of as a child, like in the, you go to the public library and there, there are sections of books on like mythology and folktales and whatever. And then when I realized that people actually wrote about that stuff, like for real, um, like I just kind of inhaled it. My mother would take me to the library down the road every weekend and I would just live in the section um, and mostly reading horror, but then eventually like folk tales and um, folklore things written kind of, obviously not like super academic stuff because I was a child, but um, kind of the first sort of magical inkling I had. I mean, cause I think as a child too, like there's this sort of innate sense that magic is real. Right. Like children just think that. Um, and, I remember being a little girl and my mother telling me like the Noah's Ark story and how the reason there aren't unicorns is because like the unicorns like were playing in the fields and they didn't make it onto the ark in time. And I just remember being like enraged as a very <laughs> about this. Um, but anyway, the first actual like magical, like self-consciously magical thing that I was engaging in beyond childhood play um, was actually the result of getting a copy of um, Time Life has a series called Mysteries of the Unknown that was really popular. Um, I don't know, in like the 80s. Um, I, I can't remember um, right. when the publication dates are, but they're big black books with like silver borders. You've probably seen them. They're in like every used bookstore everywhere. Um, they used to sell them in grocery stores, but there's one um, about, I think it's called Metamorphoses and it's about shape-shifting. And there is a ritual in that book called Ritual for an Evil Change. And it entails basically invoking the devil and selling your soul so that you can become a werewolf. And me in the fourth grade was like, bitch, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And obviously like I... I mean, the things on the list, right? Like you needed like baby's fat and a wolf girdle and that's beautifully illustrated. Okay, copy of this, you know, for like $2 on eBay or whatever. (laughs) Um, And it really is just like, you know, make me a man eater, make me a woman eater, right? Like it's, I mean, it's it's a prayer to Satan, everybody. (laughs) Um, And I like obviously couldn't, couldn't get all of these things together, but I was like, I don't have a wolf girdle, but I'll tell you what I do have is like dog hair, right? I'm like sweeping the floor of the kitchen. We have a Springer Spaniel, right? And like, I don't have, I don't have, you know, Belladonna and baby's fat, but like I can wrangle these red pepper flakes from my mom. Cause like, I mean, child brain, right? Like nothing yeah. makes sense, yeah. but everything is perfectly reasonable in my childhood. Um, and I remember just like, reciting this like heartfelt into the night like in my backyard in suburban Virginia right um and just being completely crushed when I didn't think it worked (laughs) right that was going to be my question for you did you at any point think it worked so I think child brain did think it worked because I remember, and I, if you followed me anywhere online for any length of time, you know that I'm like a, an obsessive journaler Mm. and I have journals from beginning in like the second and third grade. Um, and I have this whole thing that I wrote as a child that I remember, I wish I, I don't have the right bookshelf behind me or I'd pull it out for you. Um, 
but I have this whole thing about how I think it might be working because I've noticed that in PE, when I run, I'm running on my toes instead of flat on my feet. Like it's totally ridiculous. It's childish, like, but like how cool, like kids are so cool. Yeah. Um, But I was so desperate to think that it worked that I looked for any kind of sign. I persuaded myself that my sense of smell was better, right? Or I could run faster or like I could communicate with the dog better, right? um, (laughs) Oh, that's so fantastic. So, yeah. um, Now, have you ever searched out this book as an adult? Oh, yeah, it's over there. (laughs) Okay, okay. So is this ritual it was just, just some crap that they had the author just create or is it like an authentic ritual from um, like wherever you know i have the i have the answer to that somewhere that is information that i have um so anybody who's listening forgive me if i'm lying to you right now i don't think that it was produced by time life i do think that it was based on something some trial record somewhere um i mean obviously heavily modified but i don't think that the author just pulled this totally out of their ass yeah um because the wolf girdle made me think it was authentic yes um and i i i this is something that i tracked i'm looking around right now because you can see i do have bookcases behind me Mm. and i i did write about that and look it up and i was wondering if i had the journal here but i don't okay Um, okay but yes, it is based on some actually like the time life books, like kind of as goofy as they are and as like sensational as they are, a lot of them are really informative mm-hmm. and kind of better grounded than I think we want to like appreciate that they are. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, um yeah, but it was a werewolf obsession. And then witchcraft kind of followed because I mean, if you're gonna sell your soul to Satan, right? It's what's the saying like six and one half dozen or the other I mean whatever tomato tomato yeah (laughs) um and I remember in the same book it talks about witches um and in the same series there's another book explicitly about witches um that had all of the old pictures of like Alex and Maxine Sanders and Janet Farrar getting initiated and like beautiful people like naked which was already scandalous to like Mm -hmm. a fifth grader um obviously up to something and I remember very distinctly thinking it would talk it used the word Wicca and obviously it's talking about Alex and Maxine and I remember thinking that Wicca was the name of the god they were worshiping okay right like they're getting together to like do Wicca they're worshiping Wicca like I remember thinking that as a little girl um and I was just into it like into it um but I didn't read about like Wicca as it is practiced by Wiccans until, you know, the probably like the late, the mid to late nineties when I got my first Scott Cunningham, the craft had come out, right? So I was kind of like very stereotypical in that regard, but the foundation had been laid largely by these sensational kind of like time life books. That's awesome. Oh so, yeah, I was like, I'm gonna be a werewolf everybody. And if it means I eat my French teacher, that's fine. That's yeah. good <laughs> Well, why else would you become a werewolf if not? I mean, right? You know, you know, it's funny because all of us in the occult community, we we always, you know, we talk about like the satanic panic and 
you know the the you know christians trying to like cancel D D and all these books and even nowadays with harry potter and we're like oh it doesn't promote witchcraft it doesn't promote satanism um yes they do i mean yeah yes they do when you have books talking about this stuff um and and kids have access to them you know like yeah, yeah. well yeah. and i like to joke too um I, I it's a very it's a very kind of niche joke i think there's like 12 people in the world who think it's funny but like i think about zilpha keatley snyder's the egypt game did you read the egypt game as a child do you know this novel I don't think so. So the Egypt game, um, it was actually originally published, I want to say it was published in like the early 60s. It's an old ass book, okay? okay. But I had to read it in the seventh grade. Um, it, was pu- it was put out by Bell Yearling, this publisher that does like, you know, Caddy Woodlawn and all these other kind of like feel good. They're not even young adult at that point. They're children's books. Mm. Um, and the Egypt game is about a bunch of kids who... They're, they live in the same neighborhood. They're all kind of misfits for whatever reason. They become friends and they become friends because they all sort of collectively break into this kind of like junkyard area behind an antique shop. And they find all this Egyptian stuff and they literally start worshiping Egyptian gods. <laughs> so like they write this their own- kind of sounds familiar actually. Yes. And there's all kinds of like background stuff about like a possible murder mystery and like boring stuff. Right. But I was like, no, no, like this prayer to Isis or like when they're setting up these rituals. And I, anyway, I refer, I'm, (laughs) I'm also involved in our local OTO body and I refer to it as the Egypt game. I tell my husband, I'm going to go play the Egypt game. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, yes these books t- when when people are like oh harry potter doesn't teach people how to be witches and i'm like well actually i mean i'm obviously it's not it's not witchcraft the way like a wiccan would recognize it yeah but it absolutely gets children interested in witchcraft like absolutely. hello yeah 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 um it was a a children's book in my uh, public schools library and it was uh, set in in ancient Egypt and it was about a boy and you know I can't remember the details of the book but it created my fascination with ancient Egypt to the point where like I, I you know I was just getting everything I could on ancient Egypt and my parents started buying me books uh, like Egyptian mythology and then Greek mythology and Roman mythology and I became obsessed with with ancient Egypt and I just took the fact that these gods existed for granted yes you know so when i discovered you know at the age of 14 that people nowadays actually worship them and work with them it's like oh okay and i was also just getting into dnd at this point like i like a couple years earlier starting reading uh some not dragonlance actually it was oh yeah and, and being and be, yeah and being jealous that all these people get to interact with with gods and i don't same and it's like when you know i remember thinking like why can't i interact with like these egyptian gods the way the egyptians did it and the way these characters in this book do it and then i discover witchcraft at the age of 14 it's like oh i can so yeah books books are bad burn all books they are bad we should burn all of them all i mean we we might be able to burn harry potter for different reasons yeah 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 (laughs) Um, but 
yeah, like that pipeline is real, everybody. And I had the same experience. I remember, so seventh grade, I remember seventh grade so explicitly because um, we had social studies and we did a unit about ancient Egypt with Mrs. Tenenbaum, I remember this. And we read the Egypt game. Um, and I went to, I went to this really progressive kind of like liberal school that was very interdisciplinary. So like art, social studies, English, everything would do the same unit at the same time. So it was like Egypt for like a solid couple of months. Okay. So like we had cool. to paint papyrus and art class. We read the Egypt game in literature. And then we studied ancient Egypt in social studies. And I remember Mrs. Tenenbaum, um, we each got to pick topics to do little reports on. And I was very, very jealous because another girl, um, it was like done out of a hat and she got to write about the gods. I ended up having to write about, um, shit, I think it was the harness, like the development okay. of the horse harness or something that was terrible like that. Irrigation, um, irrigation technique. Yeah, like irrigation, something yeah. like that. And yeah. freaking this other girl who was like one of the school bullies got to write about the gods. And I remember being enraged about that first and then sad because like people didn't worship them anymore and how could that be yeah <laughs> so yeah that's and I read the Dragonlance books too um the same sort of feeling like why do I live in this world devoid of gods and having that kind of weird emotional experience as a child I think a lot of us have that experience yeah yeah it actually led me to um and this was all this stuff happened at the like such formative stuff happened at the age 14 because we don't have you know we don't have this this interaction with the gods in 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 western society um and i wanted that it actually led me at the age of 14 to being like okay i'm gonna go to seminary and become a because i was a baptized Roman Catholic, not like we were all that church going of a family, but like, mm -hmm. I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to become a Roman Catholic priest because I need that. I guess I needed that, that spiritual, you know, connection. And, and all I had access to was that one God at the time. And then, you know, I discovered, you know, witchcraft, which led me to Wicca and thank goodness for that yeah i remember yeah. it felt like such a relief to discover um and it was explicitly wicca at the time mm. uh, i mean this was this was the heyday of silver ravenwolf scott cunningham um dj conway ray buckland like kind of the big names were on the shelves yeah um in a couple of years Llewellyn would release the teen witch kit like I was really just mm. like right on time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. actually my very first publication ever 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 was in Llewellyn for a hot second had a witchy teen day planner in like 2001 okay and they they took submissions from teens. That was my very first book. Oh, that's great. Isn't that funny? So technically yeah. I've been a Llewellyn author for like 20 something years, but I haven't written, right? It's just like, um, like I was really kind of riding the crest of this thing and mm -hmm. like, thank God, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what other people do if they don't have access to witchcraft, <laughs> like frankly. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know about that. I mean, by 2001, where was I? Oh, I just moved to Ottawa. Yeah, my life was really crazy at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's great. Wow. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, so you like your your first book you said it was Scott Cunningham. No, not so I I got several books at the same time I remember this so I was I was first exposed to Wicca beyond kind of like the time life thing that I told you about this is a couple years later um I was exposed to Wicca kind of as this real like thing out in the world that I could potentially participate in because I went to um a Halloween sleepover with a bunch of girlfriends um this was probably eighth or ninth grade and one of them pulled out a deck of tarot cards and you know we scared the shit out of each other like with a little white book and then like when that went over well another girl like the girl who was hosting us um she was like well if you're into that I want to show you these books I just got and she wandered back into her bedroom and she came out with Teen Witch okay The Ride of Silver Broomstick both by Silver Ravenwolf and Scott Cunningham Wicca Guide for the Solitary Practitioner And we kind of just forgot the party and like me, her, and another girl just sat there and like read these books like all night. And very early on, I don't even remember which one of them wrote, like they all kind of say this. Um, They emphasize like keeping your own magical notebooks and books of shadows. I happened to have a composition notebook from like school that day in a backpack. And I ended up copying by hand the first chunk of Wicca Guide to the Solitary Practitioner by Cunningham, like in this composition book. Oh, baby's first piracy. I know, baby's (laughs) first piracy, right? And I still have that notebook. It became like my witchy kind of book of shadows, whatever. So I would go over to my friend's house and I would read kind of all three of these books at the same time. So I hesitate to say that any one of them was my first book. Mm -hmm. I usually point to Teen Witch because that's the one that I liked the most that I can remember reading all the way through first. Right. right, And then going to like the Walden books at the mall when I finally had my own money. um, And those were the first three books that I bought. Okay. Okay. So I kind of thinking, I kind of think of them all as my first book. And that was around like you were like 13, 14 around there? Somewhere in there. Yeah, it would have been probably like 99. Okay. 98 or 99. I was about, yeah, I guess 13 or 14, something like that. Okay. We watched The Craft on VHS. Right, right, right. Um, (laughs) It was the first time I'd seen The Craft too. Now, for those Um, of you that don't know what a VHS is... (laughs) <laughs> too bad yeah well so so if that was 98 99 and so that that would mean you're like probably like four years younger than i am so, i'm 37 okay i'm 42 my math might be on. Yeah. okay yeah okay so kind of similar um yeah well the 90s i was in 99 yeah i guess i was about 13 and 99 right aren't you 14 i it's easy for me to remember high school because i was in the ninth grade in 99 and then i graduated i graduated in 2002 so my grade school years are chronological so i was in the seventh grade in 97 etc yeah i was 14 it was 1992 
um, I was in ninth grade. Um, so I was in the yeah, second grade. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, the nineties. The nineties publishing uh, was glorious. It was amazing. It really was a lot of crap, but a lot of great stuff. Well, so did you know? Because <laughs> I did not. Um, Llewellyn used to have, um, they had a series that they were publishing in like the 80s and very early 90s that was like magic and science. And they had UFO books. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've got a few of them that I found at used bookstores. But yes, like 90s publishing was kind of bad shit. Yeah. And I think it just sort of goes to show that like if you flood the market, you'll get good stuff. Oh yeah. You know, like we kind of need all of it, the good and the bad. Of course, like, absolutely. Let people wade through it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, do the work. I mean, that's that's not a popular opinion with, you know, um younger people nowadays like do the work, but yeah, do the work. Uh Llewellyn also used to do fiction. Yes. There's one book that I, I mean, it's, it's very light reading. I mean, it's, it's not great American literature, but it's called The Ragbone Man by Charlotte Lawrence. And everyone who, who's listening, if you can find it on Abe Books or Amazon or whatever used, um, buy it. It's very 90s Wicca. I would love to see the same storyline rewritten in a more hardcore occult you know thriller um sort of way uh just because like that's you know my occult fiction I like it to be a little bit edgier but it is so good it is such a fantastic book Charlotte Lawrence she it was a trilogy and the first two were published and then they stopped doing fiction so the third one wasn't published but I contacted her uh, uh a few years ago and I'm like, I, you know, I, I need to, I need to read book three. And, and so she, she's like, oh, okay, well I have it online. Like I, I can give you the link so you can actually go there and read it. So I got to read, end up reading all three books, uh, but it, the third one never got published. But the first one out of, out of the three, the first one's the best and it's called The Ragbone Man. And it is genuinely a really, really good book. Well, yeah, and I, I know people talk about kind of the occult publishing boom in the nineties, but I don't think everybody realizes that extended into fiction. And yeah, Llewellyn had a fiction line even until relatively recently um at the well, same I thought, time I thought, they, I thought they got rid of their fiction ages ago I don't so that's what I thought too and that's what I've been told um but I was actually I was actually at the Holy Rose like a, a few months ago and they had a relatively new release that was fiction and it was on I think Midnight Inc right was like Llewellyn's fiction imprint mm. um anyway I'd have to look it up it's certainly they need to publish fiction um Yes, they need to publish fiction because, oh, I just happen to have lots of occult detective short stories that would make a fantastic anthology, Llewellyn. So I've got some, I've got some witchy YA. Mm, yeah. Yeah, because the same stuff that was popular. So like the whole like teen witch thing was really popular in the very early 2000s. Um, and I think folks who were teens at that time will remember 
Kate Tiernan had a series called Sweep. In the UK, it was called Wicca, but in the US, it was called Sweep. Um, you know, about a, a teenage girl who discovers that she's from a hereditary line of witches. Um, and then Isabel Bird um, published the Circle of Three series, which was also about teen girls. Mm -hmm. like, and it was much more realistic, like much more realistic as far as like they were they were practicing Wicca, but they were exploring kind of a magical and occult spaces more broadly. Mm -hmm. um, but that fiction was out there and that was just as influential as reading Teen Witch. Oh, I bet. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I bet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, the the how-to books um, can make you curious and explore, but I think it's the fiction that allows you to dream. Yes, I think that's true, too, and that's why we shouldn't shit on this idea that, like, oh, well, you can't learn magic from Harry Potter. You can't mm. learn witchcraft from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or whatever. Whatever yeah. the franchise is, people are like, oh, don't look to that yeah look to that because yeah. that's where i don't yeah it's dreaming it's ideas yeah. it's pretend and i think people don't realize like if you're going through things like trial records right or like historical witchcraft whatever a lot of what you're doing is looking at the pop culture of that age yeah like, absolutely yeah 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 absolutely Dismiss pop culture at your peril, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I totally dismiss pop culture. I, I'll be the first to admit it. Um, but I don't, um, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say dismiss pop culture because I do recognize, you know, its its influence. But yeah, I, I deride it in my moments of- um, Oh, we, we all do. Uh, yeah, in my moments of, of superiority, which- which I have often because I'm me. So, and I, you know, and I freely admit it because I'm, I, you know, I've met myself, so I know what I'm like. So that's there. fine. I know what, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we all, we all do, you know, I think that kind of dismissive urge is there because you were talking earlier about doing the work. And I think that there's this impulse, those of us who feel like we've done the work, whatever that looks like, when we feel like other people aren't doing that, you know, maybe it's because they are, they're watching, you know, the, you know, Sabrina or Harry Potter or whatever, they're not reading the right books. They're not like, it does, it makes us mad, even though intellectually we understand what it's like to be in that space. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. We all do it. Yeah, of course. Of course. So when did you start? Like, so these, you, you had these first three books, was it, mm -hmm. you know, all theory or, or were you like okay yeah no I'm do I'm casting these circles and like was that was that fairly immediate no it wasn't um you know it's sort of strange because I just told you that like I draped myself in dog hair and like sprinkled red pepper in my backyard like there was something about me and like you know when I was like 9 10 11 that was like yes let's do the thing but when I was reading these Wiccan books I didn't jump right into it. Um, I was very hesitant. And I remember, I remember doing my first ritual. And I remember it feeling hey, like can, this. Can we just pause for a moment? You were all in selling your soul to Satan to become a no. werewolf. And a hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, uh, I, I don't know. I'll, 
singing to the moon oh that seems it makes no sense right but i figured it out because i thought about that later like why was i so ready to like i'm gonna transform myself into a man-eating monster and i'm gonna eat my french teacher right (laughs) um but i get to i get to like freaking teen witch and i'm just like i don't know better pause and take some notes and contemplate things before i move forward right um and it's because unlike the time life werewolf books all of those early 90s books came with warnings yeah yeah every single one of them tells you to you know not dive into spell work to look before you leave blah 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 like you really and we tell each other that you get on social media on instagram and every motherfucker out there is like you really want to wait and do your research that's what we say do your research do your research we never encourage people to just jump in yeah and i understand why we do that i've done that in the past too but we also scare the shit out of people yeah and maybe that's what we mean to do um but it took me a long time to do things like casting my first circle, casting a spell, whatever. And it's because those books very explicitly tell you that like bad things will happen if you do it wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what we tell each other on Twitter and whatever, like, you know, oh, you better be ready before you invoke Hecate because she's serious, right? Like we scare the shit out of each other. Yeah. And now that I'm older and I hope wiser, I don't know, in my experience it's much more likely that nothing will happen if you do the thing wrong if you if the god doesn't want to talk to you if your spell doesn't work overwhelmingly nothing will happen yeah but we talk like beginners are gonna like have their eyeballs melted or something right yeah absolutely absolutely (laughs) (laughs) so now i no longer give that advice i don't tell people like I tell people like, hey, if you're exploring like an initiatory tradition, then maybe like hit the brakes until, I don't know, you're an initiate. Yeah. But when it comes to magic, witchcraft, the occult, yeah, do the bananas thing. Absolutely. Like, do, jump in, do the crazy pants thing yeah. because like odds are it'll fail. Mm-hmm. And if it fails, you know what? At least you've kicked the door open. Absolutely. And if it doesn't fail, cool. Look at you. You're a badass. Like... If the gods threw a fit every time an insincere or unprepared person did a ritual, they wouldn't have time for anything else. Right. (laughs) Like, it's much easier for them to just ignore you than, like, smite your family. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, like, people's weird Christian backgrounds telling them that, like, God's going to be mad. And my experience has been that they're never mad. They're too busy. Yeah. Like you said, you know, like, if, if you're in an initiatory tradition that's different um because they're set up i mean i mean they're they're set up you know to be gradual anyways but but they're they're set up to do certain things Mm -hmm. to you know to your whole being in a purposeful way and you can certainly you know screw around with that to your detriment um but cracking open your first wicca 101 book Do it. Do you're not gonna hurt yourself. You're not gonna hurt yourself. (laughs) You're really not. not. Um, do the work. Do the work. Even if it doesn't work, you're doing the work. You know, because every because every step is a step. 
and uh, uh, a, a ritual trying to um, have some sort of visual, uh, some sort of communication with, with a Hakate, um, just because you don't see her or hear or whatever, uh, doesn't mean she isn't listening, number one. But number two, even if it was a 100% failure, that's still a step in the right direction because you're doing the work, you're making the attempt and you're going to keep doing it. Oh, yeah. It's much yeah. better to fail at something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And even in initiatory traditions, like when I say, you know, maybe like hit pause there, it's not because even then I think you're going to hurt yourself. It's because often things just don't make sense out of yeah. order they yeah. don't make sense if you haven't had x number of you know months or years or whatever doing x thing or you yeah. don't have context for the thing it's not that your eyeballs are going to melt and your yeah. husband's going to turn to a pillar of salt or something yeah. it's that it just won't make sense or it won't work or it won't have the depth and the meaning that it would if you did it according to the protocol of whatever tradition it is yeah yeah but we we spout this we spout the scary stuff at newbies and I know why we do it. I've done it too. Okay. Um, but I think a lot of the time, part of it is resentment. We want other people to do things the way we've done it. We want mm -hmm. people to suffer the way we've suffered yeah. and we want to scare them a little bit because it's kind of fun. Yep. <laughs> um, but I don't know, like, I think a lot of it comes out of this Christian impulse of like, God's going to be mad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, so many of us um, uh, celebrate and, and are so proud and make a big production of escaping um, our Christian, Christian morality of, you know, our birth religions when we, you know, become pagan or, or whatever. And great. Uh, however, we live in a christianized society here in the west and one thing especially being on social media you learn really quickly is um everyone's christianity is showing you know yeah, um, yeah. and you know it's uh all these people are like oh sexual liberation da 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 this da 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 that oh gardner is a pervert like, right? like, like, like do up your zipper, your Christianity showing girl, you know? Well, and what's interesting to me about that. Um, so I grew sex up work, in, sex work is work. Oh, Gardner was a pervert, right? Like we're so busy. I don't know, kind of like asserting our liberalism or our progressivism, but we still are like misogynists and like, I don't know, just it. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. Like our our Christianity is showing, our patriarchy is showing. We yeah. like to think that we're super liberal. We're not particularly liberal in my experience. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing to me too about Christianity in particular is that even if you were not raised in a Christian household, I was not raised in a Christian household. Um, it's still in the water. It's of course. woven in yeah. the fabric of how we live. Like the fact that we think that like marriage is normal and it's normal that the woman takes the man's name and like we like some of the things that we do um the idea that we think that like christmas is somehow secular like mm -hmm. i don't like it's 
in the water. Yeah, of um, course, absolutely. Like absolutely. people ask me, like, oh well, like you're Wiccan, like do you do Wiccanings? Do you baptize babies? No, I don't, because like this isn't a thing that exists in my yeah. worldview. Like, yeah. you want to have some kind of welcoming ritual for a child? Then cool, but like, is baptism really the really the word that you want right now? <laughs> like, um, even if we're not explicitly a part of those traditions. Um, and I learned this when I got married. I got married um, two years ago, two or three years ago. And even my pagan friends, my occultist friends were like, what do you mean you're not having a wedding? And I'm just like, I don't exist. Like, like I don't have a worldview that says that I need to do that. Mm -hmm. Like we went down to the courthouse. I was thrilled to have like a civic wedding. Right. Um, and, but people were weirded out by that. And I'm just like, this is not something that is theologically important to me. Yeah. This is, it's personally important, you know, like rites of passage are important, whatever. But like, my gods don't give a shit if I'm married. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Why do I need, what do I need to involve them for? <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, it yeah. blew people's minds. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it was the same kind of thing. Like, I think you're, I think your Jesus is showing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I find it amusing. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It's just, we live in a Christian culture and it, it's going to influence everything and everyone around us. And I mean, you have to, I mean, if you, if, I mean, deny it if you want, that's fine. But, you know, denying something doesn't mean it's, it's untrue, you know, um, sure. and, and just denying it just means you're not going to, you know, recognize it when it's there and choose to whether or not you keep it, you know, accept it in or, or discard it. Oh, totally. Well, even yeah. our attitudes about like, what is the nature of a God or like, what does it mean to be secular? What mm. does the word religious mean? we answer all of these questions from the perspective of Christianity and we don't even yeah. realize we're doing it. Yeah. Like yeah. we decide that something is secular because it doesn't look like Christianity. Yeah. That doesn't make it secular, everybody. <laughs> like that just means you're doing something different with religion. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We expect gods to behave the way that, you know, Yahweh, Yadhev, Avhe, Jehovah, I am like behaves. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like we can't even conceive of other realities. It's interesting. Right. Yeah. 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 Hey, it is what it is, you know. Yeah. But yeah, bottom line, the bottom line, everyone, all you newbies out there, do the work. Do it. You're gonna be fine. Just do it. Well, and read read about religion broadly too. And read work by religion scholars, mm. not necessarily religious people. Yeah. You know, like read, read about religion broadly. And I think like disabuse yourselves of the notion that you know what religion is because you probably don't. Yeah. Yeah. Because scholars don't know. That's like yeah. the first thing you do. Like you go to, you go to grad school for religious studies and you spend the first year going, what is religion? Right. <laughs> like, and it never stops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Read the boring people. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Yeah, read the boring people. The, read the, the people the, people on Twitter book, tell you not to read. Exactly. The books aren't sexy. Um, but uh yeah, 
you want a good education, a better understanding of things, you gotta, you gotta get some scholarly works in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, the, the werewolf, I was just, I was just about to call you a vampire. So the werewolf covered in dog hair was a little too timid to sing to the moon. So how long did it take? How long did it take for you? Like, okay, I, I like to jump in. Like, I'm ready for this. I can do this. Months. It took a long ass time. Um, but I think like, of, not like, like years and years. No, not years. It didn't take years and years. Um, but it took, it took longer than I think it should have. Okay. And I would do other things. Like I remember, I remember going out into the yard and I remember doing something that I would call praying now. At the time, I don't know what exactly I thought I was doing. Mm. Um, but I remember like feeling like I was communing with something. But in terms of actual ritual, like I have tools, I'm going to light the candle, I'm going to say these words. That didn't happen until a Halloween, probably like the next year. Um, and I remember very distinctly, like sitting outside and I was, I was just a hair too old for trick-or-treating. Um, but I was passing out candy and I remember, you know, how like Halloween is, the, is like the big holiday that everybody gets pumped about. Um, and I remember thinking that like, oh, this doesn't have to end. Like I could go do witchcraft. And mm -hmm. I, I like finished passing out candy and I ran upstairs and I wrote a ritual and it was based on, you know, Teen Witch, Scott Cunningham, whatever. But I wrote a ritual and I wrote a little invocation and it was my very first circle. And the whole thing probably took 10 minutes. Who knows? I'm sure I spent an hour freaking out about it more so than actually doing something. <laughs> but that was my kicking open the door. Like if you just do the thing, and I remember very little about that ritual other than being on the porch in the front with my big metal bowl of candy and thinking I can do witchcraft. Like that's really what I remember best. <laughs> um, and I don't know what it was. It was just like getting caught up in the season. Right. Um, I hadn't seen the two girls who I originally started um, reading those books with, the Halloween party host um, and then her friend they both moved away at that point. So I was by myself. Um, and I remember being sad about that. Um, but yeah, it took a long time. And I really do think it's because I was cautioned not to do anything until I'd done all this research. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I don't know. That's awesome. I, I, I wish I hadn't waited so long. But yeah. Okay. It yeah, but I mean, it was only a year. I mean, you know, retrospectively, it's only a year. But was that like like a opening the floodgates moment? Were you all in at that point? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, at that point, I remember very shortly afterwards doing a love spell because of mm -hmm. course, because whatever. Like we all lie to ourselves, but that's like everybody's first spell. Yeah. Um, and it was the come to me love spell in Teen Witch. Mm. You have like a red candle and a white candle. Um, and I made a point of doing something for each of the eight Sabbaths after that. And I would usually write something. I really wanted to kind of do my own thing. 
Um, so I used Silver Ravenwolf describes pretty thoroughly like an altar set up and blessing and then like casting a circle, but the middle part, the actual right, I would write that myself. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that was influenced by fiction. I remember reading Circle of Three and the Sweet Books and Silver Ravenwolf had a YA series too called Witches Night Atlas, Witches Chillers. Um, and I remember like in one of the sweet books, like one of the characters casts a circle by like strewing flower petals. So I remember making off with that. Like I went outside, we had a cherry blossom tree in the yard and a dogwood tree and using flower petals. And I, I don't know, like it was fun experimenting. Um, and yeah, it was very serious to me. Yeah. yeah. And I remember being like, this was also the age of people kind of getting on the internet. Like the internet had existed for a few years at that point, but this is really when everybody, it was like a big deal to have your own like America online screen name. Right, yeah. Um, and I remember discovering chat rooms and I was always just so deeply offended because of course there were like pagan and Wiccan rooms and it never felt like people took it as seriously as I did. Right. I definitely had this self-righteous kind of phase that I think is very normal. It's why TikTok is the way it is. Yeah. Right? yeah. Everybody's like right on time. It's just a different medium. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day, like uh, the old chat rooms and, and forums and um, mm -hmm. what were they called? Like, like, uh, my God, what were they? They weren't like like forums or chat rooms, like list servers, I think. Yeah, like, well, email, like listserv emails. But I remember like we had, we did, we had forums. Mm, yeah. So, like there were, there were websites. I remember um, there was one website, I want to say it was called like the Witch's Way or something like that. I remember it had really bad background music. I can even kind of remember the melody. Mm. And it was black and there was a forum and there were like different threads and you right. could post about whatever. Um, and I hung out on that. Um, and then America Online had chat rooms. Um, and then it was also a really big deal. Like Witchbox was a thing. Yeah. And Witchbox had this whole section of essays and they had teen essays too. And it felt like a really big deal to have an essay on mm -hmm. Witchbox. Right. Like that was like my highest aspiration as like a Wiccan writer at that point. It was like an article on like teen witch box. <laughs> and it, was such a, it was such a big deal to be in the the Llewellyn like teen witch date date book or whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you no, know, so I was thinking about all of that 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 we had back in the day and thinking about all uh, lots of good stuff um you know lots of uh great conversations and informative um uh, conversations but just a lot of crap a lot of bullshit a lot of drama i was thinking about that the other day you know and thinking about like tiktok and you know all twitter and and all the bullshit and whatnot i'm like yeah we'll be fine like you know society isn't going to like or the occult community isn't going to hell it's not collapsing we're oh, gonna no. it's just it's it's so much more in your face because it's so much more easily accessible um than you know list servers and and whatnot but the the, the bullshit was always there well it's, and like even the stuff we fight about is old 
yeah oh yeah like, oh yeah like you know we have subtweeting now right like so and so is involved with blah 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 this drama between these people but we've been doing that forever yeah like so and so posted this thing on live journal that's totally about this other thing <laughs> blah 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 like my my AOL homepage like like, you know, like all of this stuff is old yeah. um yeah and it's it's frankly just like not very interesting it really um, isn't you're reading the wrong books if you read the wrong books you're gonna do it wrong and then like witchcraft is totally like being watered down I hate that expression that's being mm. watered like watered down from what everybody. yeah but but we've been we've been bitching about the same things for oh, absolutely for a hundred years yeah. and like everybody needs to just chill yeah I think the second email ever sent was a burn oh sure you know like yeah it's 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 not new none of this is new it's easy to to forget um but yeah it's not it's not new we'll be well, fine. It's we'll so much louder now too. Yeah. I think is really all it is. Like you were yeah, saying, yeah, it's louder. It's because it's more. It's you know, it's so much more accessible. You know, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, I go on Twitter and you know, post a few things and look at my new incense that that I'm launching and you know. How dare you talk about incense this day? Don't know. you know you shouldn't be tweeting about this other thing that's crucially important that you should have known about? Well, yeah, that's How true. sensitive of you. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, go on Instagram, post a couple of pictures, and then I just, I'm too busy. I'm too busy doing the work. I'm too busy working. I'm too busy making product. So I think everybody needs to just like do the work. Well, you, you know, if, if you're spending all of your time talking about the work, how much time are you spending doing the work? Honestly, that, but I think too, like, so Margot Adler, I wish I could remember. I need to like, see if I can dig up the interview. I can't even remember exactly. Um, but somebody, an interviewer asks her something about this kind of like drama in the community. And she says, you know, everybody just needs to get a job, mm. like a, like a nine to five, like a job, job. And like, there's an element of insensitivity there in today's economy, okay, right? Like, yes, but I do think that people need to be grounded kind of in other things. Yeah. Um, It's very difficult to care about like whatever occult drama, whatever. And by the way, like it's only ever drama if we don't like the people involved. If we like, if we like the people, it's discourse, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) So like, but all of that stuff stops mattering if you have to get up at 5 a.m. and go to work. Yeah. Like yeah. it stops mattering. You no longer yeah. care. Like if you're worried about, you know, paying a bill or like a deadline or this, you know, something in your relationship or your kid, whatever, you don't care about Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. And I think most people need to just find other things to care about. Absolutely. My <laughs> insensitive hot take. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, being stuck indoors for 16 months doesn't help, you know? No, it sure does not. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Lux Files. I'm not just the host of this podcast. I'm also the owner of Lay Logan's Owen. I make 
beeswax and scented spell candles, loose stick and liquid incense, anointing rolls and bath salts. So once you're done listening to this episode, why don't you head on over to my website at www.leilokanzawan.com and check out my products. For your convenience, the link to the website is also in the show notes. You know, maybe maybe social media will get a bit quiet and boring um, over the next few months. You also just need to like be more compassionate about that. Like instead of thinking that the other person who wronged you like did it out of malice, like maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, did they have a bad day? Are we in the middle of a global pandemic? That's yes. like just everybody's And mind. I mean, did they really wrong you? I mean, was that Oxford comma really directed at you? Maybe not. I, like, no. So I don't know, maybe, I don't know, calm down, take a breath, uh, close down the app for, for five minutes and see how you feel. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If, if, if you're, if you're that upset about something, I, I don't understand why you would, like if Twitter's upsetting you, like why, why wouldn't you just cut it out and until you, you calm down? That's what I don't understand. You know, like it, like if you're that upset over what's going on in Twitter, log off. Like, you know, I mean, just log off. I'm, yeah, simple. But I mean, I know everything. So it's easy for me to say that. Yes, you're well adjusted and never have any problems. (laughs) Never. Yeah, never. So my view from the high horse is quite extraordinary. Perspective. Perspective, (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, okay, so we have you as a teen. Um, Now, I can't remember... I'm trying to think of everything I know about you. Your involvement, like like your involvement in like the Wiccan community, because uh, you're Gardnerian. Mm-hmm. And so to be Gardnerian, like you actually have to be Gardnerian. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that call themselves Gardnerian um, or, you know, maybe even Alexandrian, you know, maybe from, from, from book learning, but you're actually Gardnerian. Yes, um, yeah. I was initiated in a Gardnerian coven. I, you know, I had to go track one down and sort mm. of persuade them to let me in. Um, what was that like for you? How, well, how, how like how old were you at that point? Well, so I had been looking for a coven for a long time at that point. I think I sent my first like tentative, please take me on email to a group when I was, I was in college. So I was in my early twenties. Um, and I worked with a blue star coven, um, in the blue star tradition of Wicca. Um, I worked with them for, um, several years and I, I moved away and there was kind of some just like growing up that happened. Um, but even before then I'd been rejected from a couple of groups in retrospect, I think it was just because I was like, 19 20 21 22 like I'm sorry like nobody wants to deal with anybody in their early 20s like nobody wants to deal like even outside of the occult like nobody wants to deal with early 20 somethings I don't really blame them okay (laughs) um but it it always felt like kind of an affront 
like when I was that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember overwhelmingly like Covens just wouldn't email me back. But every now and then I would get something back and it would be some kind of statement about about why I couldn't be involved or why I wasn't being considered. Um, and I ended up in the Blue Star group um, for a few years, kind of until I until I got out of school and I would drive. They were in kind of a neighboring city. It wasn't too far. Um, and I moved away. And I like I always knew that I wanted to be involved in a group again, like time life. Maxine Sanders, right? Like all these beautiful, like naked women with their big swords. Like that's what I wanted. Um, And I knew what Gardnerian Wicca was because like Silver Ravenwolf talks about Gardnerian Wicca and Teen Witch. Like it wasn't a secret. Um, And I don't know, like I remember thinking of Gardnerian Wicca later on um, as kind of like the mothership. Right? right, like if I was yeah. going to do Wicca, then like this was the thing I was going to look for. Yeah, um, but I was older at that point, um, and I definitely did a lot of the things that people today still do, where I really struggled with this—the question of like, well, can I really be Wiccan if I'm not an initiate? If I'm right. not in a group, am I really doing witchcraft, or am I just like pretending? Like, I think people kind of keep those questions to themselves a lot of the time, but I think they're very normal and they're very common. And I definitely have those kinds of insecurities. And I would find ways to reassure myself that what I was doing was really Wicca. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Llewellyn books in the 90s and early 2000s did, was they reassured you yeah. that you were really a witch. Um, and I, I got involved, um, like after college, I ended up in this abusive relationship for several years. And I sort of like had to hit pause on everything. And when that finally came to an end, that was the kind of the tipping point where I was like, okay, like I'm going to find me some Gardnerians. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really just like lucked out. Um, there happened to be a group like in the state. It wasn't close. Okay. But it was within the state. It was closer than I'd been driving previously um, to the Blue Star group. Um, and anyway, they, they took me on um and you know it wasn't it wasn't easy in the initial stages again because I was still and I don't mean to stereotype people but even just like I was a classroom teacher for several years and I worked with juniors and seniors like even 17 and 18 and 19 year olds like they don't have adult brains right okay and like just like cognitively like we're not done developing like until we're really in like our late 20s -hmm. like actually Um, and life is really hard when you're in your twenties and I was kind of a mess. Um, and, um, anyway, like that was kind of the grounds on which I worked out some of those things. And I was in therapy at the same time. Um, so that's, it was not an easy process. I think I had it easier than a lot of people. It's not like I was having to like fly to another state or like cross. Yeah. the ocean to go to England or something yeah yeah um, but yeah it was it was a its own type of ordeal and I think that's also what people mean when they talk about doing the work whatever that is you know um are you willing to pursue the thing if it's if it's not easy yeah um yeah that that you know the challenge in so many ways like the work is is a challenge but also um 
even being able to do the work, like like uh, connecting with the group, that can be a challenge and how dedicated you are um, is put to the test. And um, the challenge, you know, do you have to drive an hour or two hours one way once a month or twice a month and you know um yeah that's that challenge you know it's i mean it, it but it's part of it you know what i mean um the challenges that are that are put up in front of you um how do you um confront them how do you deal with them um that's part of it you know it, it's all it's all a part of it yeah, and I think that there, there are some questions there that I think we just sort of have to ask about like accessibility and ableism and classism. I mean, like I owned a car and had the means to be able to travel. Mm -hmm. um, lots of folks don't. So I think even just appreciating that everybody's challenges look different. Yeah. You know, yeah. like for me, it wasn't particularly challenging to have to drive. Mm -hmm. Like to me, the challenges came. Um, I was dealing with a lot of like mental health issues at the time. Um, like negotiating coven work with therapy with lots of like personal work that wasn't explicitly related to like the sexy parts of witchcraft right um like that's where the challenging stuff for me was so for everybody it's different and i think um for all of us there's that central question of who am i when i'm by myself you know, I think that's one of the reasons why people seek out covens as adamantly as they do is because there's something like part of it is a drive, like there's something else out there. There's mm -hmm. something I feel like I'm missing that I want. But I think a lot of it just kind of in my own experience as a seeker and as a coven leader is I'm insecure. I'm not sure if I'm a witch. Please confirm for me that I'm a witch. Right. That's a lot of it. Yeah. I would argue Absolutely. that that's most of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was wrestling with that stuff too. Um, and that's fine. You know, having, having that question in your mind is fine because so much of what we're presented with is, um, oh, so you want to be a witch or a magician or a whatever while there's this, this, and this. And when you're like, oh, I don't, I don't fit into that, that list now what right now what and do you have the kind of the courage and the wherewithal to go no i'm a witch anyway yeah i have a hundred books sitting on my shelf that says you can be a witch on your own you can be a witch through book learning mm -hmm. but it's still in my head that list oh so you want to be a witch you need da 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 da, da. and it's like oh i don't have any of that so you know, then the questions pop up and, and the insecurities and the self-doubt and, you know, because I think as humans, that's, you know, almost more. Yeah, that, you know, that's like a default position as opposed to, you know, a, um, a, a rare, uh, a rare feeling or a rare experience, you know, so it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to look to other people in whatever whatever it is. and i mean this is for anything in life but it's you know an artist and uh, a writer whatever to to look to your peers and say and and try to get that validation that's okay 
you're not broken. I mean, we're all broken, but you're not broken, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, because we're all you. We're, we're all there with you. We've experienced yeah. that, you know? Uh, that's just, that's normal. I think that's why social media feels as toxic as it does sometimes is because given that we all feel that way on some level, um, it creates a space where people can set themselves up as authorities. Mm -hmm. And like that's reflected in like a follower count or how many yeah. books they've published or whatever, yeah. instead of kind of that open acknowledgement that we're all just people doing this thing and trying to figure it out. Yeah. And some of us have more help than other people. And um, I don't know, I think because so many, so many of us, I mean, I would argue all of us are looking for that kind of, that validation through community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it, makes, it makes for easy prey, I think, for people who would take advantage of that or who have products to sell or who are more likely insecure themselves and get their own validation through having that affirmation by, yeah. you know, followers or peons or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's the rub because it's, it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to, to look to your peers for validation. Like that's normal, but then there's the predators, you know, and the grifters and, you know, that, uh, that swoop in and, you know, not like I want to spend a lot of time talking about them, but I mean that the reality is, is that, okay, yeah, it's fine to, to, you know, be looking for validation with your peers, but that opens up a whole, potentially a whole different can of worms with the predators and the grifters and the snake oil salesmen and the, you know, for even one- like other, other insecure people. It's not even like, I don't yeah. believe most of these people do it consciously. I think a lot of people think that they are sincerely helping others and they don't see themselves as being like, no, you're participating in the same space. Yeah. Where, you know, it's about validation. Um, yeah. But see, that's the problem because they, they don't see themselves as opportunistic grifters and predators they're just as insecure and their solution was or is to you know get that following and 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 get those those fawning individuals and you know your little your little cult following and they're just as sincere as everyone else that's the problem if they knew they were if they woke up in the morning they're like oh i'm going to be in a cult grifter that you know they would probably fail at it horribly and if not i mean if if they actually were successful in it there's the hope of of um not redemption but you know um a realization on their their part that this is just wrong you know so no, it's 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 not the it's not the ones that intentionally are are out to get people that I'm worried about. It's the ones that genuinely think they're doing a good thing. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh. 
And I think, well, like I said, I I, I don't want to talk about these people at, at great length. And I was just going to bring yeah. up another, another point about them. But I mean, because, you know, coven work, group work. And, uh, you know, this isn't coming, you know, I, I get there's challenges um, for people to access groups and have those experiences. And I realize that um, it doesn't invalidate the, I, the opinion that, you know, having, having access to a group, doing that group work is really beneficial, you know, cause it, cause it is. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it, it, it gets really complicated because, you know, um, there could be there. I mean, there's great groups out there. There's not great groups out there. There's great groups out there with some sketchy people, a few, one or two sketchy people in them. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a whole, and that's, you know, with, with a lot of these covens, you know, like you're saying, like we're turning you down. Um, that's probably a good thing, you know, like, yeah, I think so. In yeah. An 18 year old, 19 year old, you know, joining their first coven. Um, that could be pretty scary. That could be pretty scary because do we have the tools as an 18 year old and 19 year old to really vet people? And, you know, um, we don't. I did not. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't want to speak for everybody, but I definitely did not. Um, and I mean, I think too, and this is like, I don't, I don't know if this is also a hot take. I don't, I don't think it is. Um, but the amount of time that somebody spends as a solitary fumbling around, trying to do the best they can, not sure if they're doing it right, is such an important experience. Yes. Like the people who I've worked with in a coven environment who are the strongest, who are the most confident and thoughtful are people who spent sometimes whole decades mm -hmm. as an eclectic whatever, right? just trying to figure shit out. Um, oftentimes it's people who haven't had those kinds of like DIY kind of experiences that struggle the most in some mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily in the coven itself, but after the fact. Right. Like if you've if you've left or if you've you've decided it wasn't for you or you hived off or whatever it was that you did, that now you find yourself in a space by yourself without your coven. Who are you without your coven? Mm -hmm. And I think that somebody who has had years and years of figuring that kind of shit out, they are more prepared for that experience. Right. Than someone who's only been in groups and only been taught and tutored. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's an experience that we kind of shit on sometimes. You yeah. Know, we, we use the word eclectic, like it's a bad word and it just is not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the reality is, is that most people in like the vast majority of people in the occult community are solo and putting Overwhelmingly. yeah and putting things together the best that they can you know that's the occult community realistically um not um big orders and you know 
uh, a web work of, of connect to covens. It's just, that's not the reality. The reality is, is that the overwhelming majority of people and, and in that group of people, um, I would say that probably the overwhelming majority have been solo from their first circle casting to their last circle casting, mm -hmm. you know? And, and is it just the nature of the occult or is it because as big as the occult has gotten, it's still not that big? I don't know, you know? I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's all of those things. Yeah, I'm sure it's a mixture of, of both to a certain degree. Are you in the same coven that you joined or have you hived off? You still I hived have off. I okay. hive and I run my own group now. Mm -hmm. um so you're it's it's still like part of that um um We're i in can't, the same tradition yeah yeah i can see i can't find my words today um um da, lineage that's, that's yeah, that's what really yeah, yeah 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 so so you hived off um how is there any interaction between um covens you know. um there can be it's kind of it's kind of up to the individuals involved um i meant like specific, I, I didn't really mean like, oh, me, theory, like, but like but like like with with your covenant and your your tradition and you know not that, really people oh. indiv individual people will have might have personal relationships with uh, like i still have personal relationships with my own high priest and high priestess mm. um, and my working partner is somebody who hived with me from that group okay um and then like between our coven and then like our parent coven and then we've got other covens formed by people who are from the same right like individuals might have personal relationships but in terms of like our larger interactions um foxfire is very isolated um and i've kind of done that consciously largely because like i'm super duper introverted mm. um but I, I recently had um another priestess hive off from my group and like she might make different choices about her mm -hmm. group. um so it's really up to the folks involved um my preference is usually to kind of keep to myself okay um, but that's not something that i would hold other people to necessarily and i know that there are there are groups you know within kind of our our immediate sort of lineage where they do have interactions um but foxfire largely doesn't okay okay it's yeah. a lot of people i'm not so good at managing just like five people you know what i mean <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like doing things for for lots of groups especially um you know, working full time and, you know, having a family and running a household. And um, it's a line that I think everybody has to walk and it's easier for some people than others. Yeah. Um, it, I find it very difficult. Mm. Um, so depends. Um, but yeah, my focus, I think, as a priestess has been more about integrating integrating the craft into into my personal life into my day-to-day -day. you know if everything is like coven fun times i don't know sometimes i think that can kind of like distract from this other piece of work that i want to do right absolutely um, yeah but that's just me mm -hmm. so no grand sabbath on smoky mountain i don't know i'm trying to think <laughs> of mountain, but i think that's i don't know where smoky mountain is 
Tennessee. I don't know. So no, no grand, grand Sabbaths on, on Smoky Mountain at Beltane. Getting that many people together in one, in one spot. Oh, it's a know? nightmare. It's a nightmare. Right? Like yeah. even just get, I'm really pumped if I can get everybody like in my own coven, mm-hmm. like together on the same Saturday night. Right. Like that yeah. by itself is an accomplishment. Getting yeah. like two or three groups. I mean, you know. Yeah. Satan, like good luck. I, I was just, I was just gonna say, Satan's disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I find Satan to be forgiving. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty cool. You know, <laughs> he's chill. Um, what made you to just to decide that um you were gonna write a book and be like, yeah, people, people need, people need to read what I write. Um. It was, it was, st- part, it was a couple things. First, it was being Wiccan on the internet, which is like its own hellscape. Right. Um, and then it was starting my own coven. Um, so something that's very frustrating about being Wiccan on the internet uh, right now is that everybody thinks that they're an expert on Wicca, but actually nobody knows anything about it. Right. Bewildering. Yeah. Like everybody read Scott Cunningham when they were 14 or whatever. And they haven't done anything with it since then. So like you, you see people and they're just like, oh, well, Wicca is a great place to start. And the implication is that it's shallow. And it's like, no, no, you approached it when you were a child, didn't really do it, didn't get anything out of it, decided it was shallow. Does that mean Wicca is shallow or were you a child or are yeah. you shallow? Like yeah. nobody thinks in those terms. Um, so just kind of perpetually being both bewildered and offended by like these, you know, self, <laughs> like self-determined experts on Wicca, yeah. like coming to conclusions that demonstrated that they obviously had never practiced Wicca. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, just the kinds of goofy things that people think or say. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I, I can't um, put myself in that mindset um, where it's like, <clears throat> I don't know anything about subject X but yet I have opinions on it and I have opinions that need to be, you know, sent out into the world. I, I can't wrap my head around that. Um, I, I, I just, I, I don't understand that mentality, how, how that works. Um, I, I try to pride myself on being able to, to grasp something about someone's position, about someone's outlook, um, trying to find something that I can grab onto so I could understand where they're coming from. But that mentality uh, of, well, I don't know anything about this, but I have opinions and right. uh, and I'm gonna state those opinions as absolute educated facts. I don't get it. And that's how almost everybody talks about Wicca. Yeah. And it is- yeah wild it is wild some of the things that people will say to me um so part of it wanting to write a book was like clearly like either this is this information isn't out here people aren't reading it or like i'm tired of like answering the same moronic questions over and over again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that was kind of the initial impulse right Um, which isn't the kindest impulse but that was kind of what was going on for me and then as a group leader, I was finding um, 
Gardnerian covens and Alexandrian covens too, um, but like, you know, BTW broadly covens. Um, we are recommending books that were written decades ago. Yeah. They're outdated, they're poorly yeah. written, and not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. Um, and the way we actually practice and do things is not usually like actually reflected in these books that were written in the 60s and 70s or the 50s in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could not in good conscience recommend some of these books to seekers. Like I'd get emails from people and like, I just don't think that seekers need to have read some of these, you know, quote unquote classics anymore. Right. Like, and I say that as somebody who loves books, like I've got an academic background, like I think everybody should read tra-la-la, but like the average seeker who comes in who just wants to practice Wicca, I don't think that they need to be a Gerald Gardner scholar. Right. I, I don't think that they need, like, I don't think they need to necessarily, like, have totally digested these texts, which, by the way, were pretty bad when they were written. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and what I found was that the most current books on traditional initiatory Wicca were written whole decades ago. Like, yeah. Ellen Cannon Reed, um, the Heart of Wicca was kind of like the most current one. And even that at the time of my writing was like 15 years ago. Um, so I wanted to write something that reflected how people were actually practicing and doing things now. Because like, if, you, <laughs> if you're approaching one of these initiatory groups and all you've had to read is like the witch's Bible or meaning of witchcraft or whatever, then like you're in for some surprises, everybody, <laughs> right? If for no other reason, then like none of those books tell you how to like write an email and actually like find a group and yeah. what to expect when you're interviewing with one. Like I wanted something that was really, really practical mm. because it didn't exist. It doesn't like it didn't exist. Um, and I wanted to spare myself having to answer the same types of emails as a new coven leader. Right. Like now I can go, here you go, read a book. Like, so part of it was just me being lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Wanting to like clean up my inbox and like do other group leaders a solid. Like I like like how you're like, oh, I decided to write a book, you know, because I'm lazy. like didn't want to write I didn't want to respond to emails it's yeah. so much easier to just send somebody an Amazon link right than, than it is to like you know send them some kind of questionnaire or something yeah 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 I mean now you know 99% of them are going to be like oh she's just trying to hawk her book mm-hmm. um but um I they, mean they, the answers are in there so you might as well spend a couple of bucks and get the answers that you want well and it's and then some yeah and like yeah I want I mean I want my books to sell okay but a lot of that is so that Llewellyn or whoever thinks that I'm worthwhile enough to keep allowing to write books it's not because I make any money yeah like I work a nine to five corporate boring soul-sucking job like most of it like you know I don't like my job either everybody but yeah. like you do it because if I, if I don't, like they, they turn the power off. Yeah. <laughs> so the book, like nobody makes money doing, like it's very rare, especially yeah. in occult communities. We have this idea that like, oh, like 
witch writers are just out there to get rich off of the community. And like, I'm sorry, but even like the top selling books in our niche still pay a whole lot less than just like going out and getting a solid restaurant job. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, like I really want everybody to just give me their monies and like read traditional wick. Like, come on, I want to spare myself some emails. Yeah, yeah, right, right. The 90s though, I get the impression we're different. I I get the impression. Yeah, I get the impression that the 90s you could actually make a living writing, you know, like and I've heard that too. Yeah. And just because I don't ever but again, too, you know, this was before social media, so you didn't have so much insight into the author's lives. So you get the impression with a lot of these authors that they didn't have a day job, like they they, they were just writing or they they were writing and they owned like an occult shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just like with the amount of books, too, and then looking back with more of a discerning I more of an adult I you kind of wonder like is the 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 quality of the books such because it it was just like pump them out make that money you know what I mean well and I'm not an expert here but my understanding because I've talked to a lot of those 90s authors yeah the ones who are still alive and met the ones who I've talked to have told me that, yeah, you could make a living. And then yeah. like something happened in the industry where that's, and I, I've been told that it was almost overnight. Like suddenly oh, you can no longer do that. Um, oh. And like lots of things are different. Like, um, I mean, nowadays, like occult authors really don't have publicists. So like we have to do everything ourselves. Like the Silver Ravenwolves of the world had publicists. Right. So okay. like they didn't have to be, uh, they wouldn't have had to be on social media. Yeah. Like promoting them. Like every month, everybody, I have a Patreon. Every month, everybody, like I have this book, pre-order this, pre-order that. And like people get sick of it. But like, if I don't do that, nobody's going to do it for me. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and I, my understanding too, is that we also saw the death of the multi-book contract. Okay. So, and again, like I'm not an expert here, but that's just kind of my understanding just from talking to people. So like, you know, somebody in the nineties could have been contracted to write multiple books for like a series or for whatever. That doesn't happen now. It's book right. to book. Right, right, And right. like whether or not you get to keep going depends on how well that first book does. Right, okay. Why. And that has nothing to do, by the way, with like how good the book is. Right, yeah. Everything to do with how well it's marketed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think people always appreciate that. Um. So yeah, like this this idea that that pagan and occult authors are just like raking in the bucks, <laughs> like that's that's just false. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think. I mean, if you're following your favorite occult authors on social media, and you are because you can see, you know, they have decent follower numbers. Um, I don't see how you can be following them on social media and think that they're all like rolling in money. Um, Because, well, first of all, all of them are like, yeah, no, that, 
that's just not a reality. Like they're open about that. But, you know, like I said, like this isn't the 90s. You know, we have this social media where we have so much more insight into their personal lives. And like you talk about your nine to five. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're not living off of your book proceeds because you openly talk about your nine to five job, you know, and um, I, I don't honestly see how anyone can legitimately follow their favorite occult authors and think that you guys are all living in a one block radius in Beverly Hills. I think it's, so I was, I told you I was a, I was a high school teacher and mm-hmm. uh, it was always interesting talking to kids about like careers and what they were going to do. Uh, I worked in a title one environment where like most of the students didn't go on to college. So they, they did other things and overwhelmingly kids wanted to be YouTubers. Like mm-hmm. that was like the number one thing that my kids told me all the time. Well, it, it doesn't matter if I fail English cause I'm going to be a YouTuber. It doesn't, I don't need to go to college cause I'm going to be a YouTuber. Um, and I, I would have really frank conversations with them where I'd be like, Hey guys, like, let me tell you about YouTube. And like, this was something I could do that some of my, my teacher colleagues could not do. I never gave them my account or anything, but like, this is how YouTube works. This is how you get paid on YouTube. This is what you have to do, blah, 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 blah. Like even these people who like, like, unless you're Jenna Marbles or something, okay. Who isn't even on YouTube anymore. (laughs) Like, um, you're not making your living this way. Or if you are, it is a very meager living. Yeah. That's the other thing, like you see people out there who they are making their living as authors, but they're not making the sort of living that like my 17 and 18 year old students thought that they were. Right. Like making a living means I pay my own rent and I can afford this shitty car. And like, as long as I don't have a medical emergency, which of course you will at some point, PS, yeah. like I'll be fine. Like that's not what these kids are dreaming of. Yeah. They're dreaming of like the the block radius in like Malibu or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, all but all they hear about it are the YouTubers that are making millions of dollars. They're not hearing about the YouTubers that literally said at the age of 18 to their teachers, yeah, no, I don't care about high school and I'm not going to college because I'm going to be on YouTube. And they're there on YouTube barely scraping by they 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 don't make the news right and I think it's the same way with with authors like we see Neil Gaiman or something and we think that like all authors are like I don't know yeah Um, yeah and I think a lot of people have that model they do kind of have that 90s model and I'm not saying that any of those 90s authors are rich either they're not okay um like there there aren't any like Wiccan author millionaires who are like (laughs) you know like (laughs) yeah um even the people who we would think about like big names like who are the big names from like I think about Christopher Penzak I think about Raven Gramasi I think about Silver Ravenwolf Ray Buckland like even all of those people who are still with us have other gigs yeah they do other stuff yeah. They, they run shops, they tour, they speak, they make products, they have other jobs, right? Yeah. They have partners who contribute to income. Like they have other things. 
So this idea that folks are just like sitting at home with their mojitos or whatever, like raking in royalty checks. Um, I, I mean, like, that's just like some MTV shit. I don't know where we get yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Wishful thinking, maybe. Or maybe it's a justification for uh, downloading, downloading that PDF. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, like that was... I, I think my, my impulse to write books was an answer to a lot of that stuff. Just, it was pragmatic. And I also like, I wanted to be an author. Like I've yeah. always wanted to be an author. I was, I've always been a writer. Well, writing uh, is obviously in your blood because you started journaling at such a young age and you've done it your entire life. So that, that mm -hmm. impulse to write was there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's just always been true for me. I mean, I thought I would write fiction or something. Like, I didn't think I would be a pagan author. Um, right, right. But, like, I knew I was going to write. And, like, I'm working on some fiction now. And, like, I write. Um, I'm a songwriter. Like, I'm a guitar player. Like, I've always been a writer. Yeah. Um, it's just, like, pagan books. First of all, like, and I don't mean this the way it's going to sound. Mm -hmm. okay? it's a lot easier to write and publish a pagan book than it is like other genres. Like <laughs> it just is. So like Llewellyn and Wiser, and I, I mean this affectionately, obviously yeah. I, love, I love my publisher, but like you don't have to have an agent. Yeah. Like you can go to Llewellyn.com and like there are the instructions for yeah. how to submit a manuscript. Yeah. And like, that's all I did everybody. And like, obviously you have to be able to write, but like, you don't have to be Neil Gaiman like you right. don't have like yeah um you just or, have or to I add... guess in, in this case like you don't have to be like you know um Aleister Crowley with all that you know complexity and you Plus, know yeah, uh, yeah yeah I mean most authors only write one book most authors that one book doesn't sell very well mm -hmm. most authors that book only has one maybe two print and like i work for a publishing house now like in mm -hmm. a different genre so like i can i can tell you these things like um you know overwhelmingly like authors only write one book and it doesn't do very well like that's just true yeah um so like on the one hand it's great because really anybody can write a book and even mm -hmm. if you don't go with a traditional publisher like the opportunity for self-publishing now is just so out there and easy. And not to say that it's easy, okay, but it's easier than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, and I think if you have kind of like the, the chutzpah and the hubris and the wherewithal, like you can write a book. And that's great for all of us because it yeah. means there are more voices out there. Yeah. You know, and I, I like the idea of self-publishing um, you know, because you, you, especially like the the content creators out there that are are developing a following and they have their Patreon or their courses or or whatever, you know, if if you have like eight thousand followers or something, and and you want to hawk a a self published book, I think that's fantastic. Um, I like well written books, and I mean, if it's fiction, it needs to be well written. If it's nonfiction, I'll handle your shitty writing if you have something really good to tell me. Same. So whether you have uh, a publisher that just wanted to pump out a book and not spend a lot of time, money, and effort on editing and, and polishing it up, 
or you self-published this shitty written book, if you have something really good to tell me, some really great information, I'll buy it. Like I'll, you know, like do you, like if you want to write a book, um, and and you want to do it like self-publishing for whatever reason, maybe you can handle rejection. Um, that doesn't minimize it in my eyes. No, well, and there's so many good things. I mean, like even you get to re to retain your property. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't own the copyrights to my books. Llewellyn does. Yeah. The title right? so, like, you wanted for your book, you get. The cover that you wanted for your book, you get. You know. Yeah. Uh, so and, like, there's, there's and great. It belongs to you. Yeah. 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 There are great reasons to, to. I mean, like, there's pros and cons to everything. Of course. Um, and I, yeah. I try to encourage people to just write. Like, if you have ideas, and it doesn't have to be a book. Like, if you, if you have ideas and you want a YouTube channel or whatever. Mm. Um, I think the, it gets sticky if you think that like, you're a failure, if that isn't your source of income or like, you yeah. can't live on it. Like I must be a bad witch because, you know, I don't have thousands of subscribers and like, I, I don't know, like that's, that's where we get into kind of tricky territory, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like with this podcast, I mean, I just did, I, I put this off rather late. It was it was a little bit before the pandemic happened where I'm like, I want to do a podcast. I just like talking to people and learning about people. And I think it would be fun. It would <laughs> give me more of an incentive. Like if, if, you know, scheduling, you know, episode releases um, for me to like reach out and better opportunity that the people that I want to have a conversation with, will that I don't know will actually be like, yeah, I'll have a conversation with you because they can promote themselves because it's a podcast. Um, like there's hundreds of people that I want on my podcast, but there's hundreds of people that I would literally DM on Twitter and be like, I think you're fascinating. How about we just chat for two hours? You know, that's the way to do it. Yeah. And so that's what this podcast is. This podcast was just me being like, well, I like Thorn. Cool. It gets boring I, listening to authors. I just want to, I just want to talk, but yeah. And, you know, so I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, I want to talk to, I, so I want to talk to the authors. I want to talk to Thorne about her books, but who I really want to talk to is just the average everyday witch that uses those books because i hear enough about the inspiration behind the book i want to hear about how people use the book oh yeah you know so yeah so there's just so many people and my friends you know that that are in the 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 occult community and i'm like this needs to be on a podcast like i just i just want to have conversations with people and then just put it out into the world and hope people enjoy it. But to think that oh, this, this is going to be my, my income. No, no, I'm, this isn't, this isn't going to grow into Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Um, it's just, it's not. I fantasize about an event like that. Like I, so I go to a lot of festivals, a lot of events. Um, and again, like, I don't, I don't say any of these things dismissively. I mean them not as not as like an author, but as an attendee, as somebody who grew up going to pagan festivals, it gets boring hearing from the same like dozen people. 
yeah. every single, like I've heard everybody's spiel. I've heard everybody's talks and I'm not saying that they're not brilliant. Lots of people are brilliant, but like we only ever talk to authors at events. Yeah. We only ever have authors. And I like, I get it, but like, I'm with you. I think it's much more interesting a lot of the time to talk to practitioners about kind of like whatever like punk rock thing they're cobbling together on their mm. own in their bedroom like that yeah. to me is much more fascinating than like thorn mooney's latest book or whatever right like you know? yeah you know that i didn't really think about that it wasn't so obvious until the pandemic and all these um uh events went online and it's like, you know, that's great because obviously I can't go to every single pagan and occult event in a season, obviously. Uh, the paranormal um, community and their events. Um, no, I, I can't do, you know, 200, go to 200 events a year, yeah. obviously. But now I can because they're all online. And I was like, oh yeah, it's every occult or pagan it was just the same the same authors and it with the paranormal ones it's the same uh people on on the travel channel um tv shows and it's like oh this is actually really boring yeah this yeah this and is if you only go to one if if that's like your big hoedown your vacation then yeah it's brilliant but yeah. if you go to like one or two every month they start being the same event. Yeah. And yeah. like, I've, I've helped organize events. Like I know what kind of goes in. This is not me just like shitting on events. That's not what yeah. I'm trying to do. So yeah. I hope okay. I'm taking it that way. But I, I do wish that when we talk about inclusivity, one of the things that we're doing is we're including kind of like, I, I hate the expression, the every man, but that's yeah. kind of what I'm getting at. Like yeah. practitioners just, that's one of the things that I really like about Twitter. Um, is I can follow people who are just doing their thing. My mm -hmm. favorite YouTubers are not witchy teachers and influencers and whatever. My favorite YouTubers are like the randos in their bedrooms with like their shitty webcam who are just mm -hmm. like, I'm going to turn this camera on and talk about this experience. I had a yeah. ritual. Those yeah, are the only YouTubers I actually watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's true. And you're not shitting on festivals because I mean, obviously... You know, these festivals need to at least cover costs. Um, no pagan festival organizer is doing it to move into the pagan author neighborhood in Beverly Hills. Um, they're, 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 they're not making millions of dollars doing their pagan festivals. Let's be clear about that. So they need to at least cover costs and they need the be the big names to draw in ticket sales. That's obvious. Totally. Secondly, you know, how do you find, you know, Joe Blow or Jane Blow? Um, you know, yeah. how would you get those people? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the 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 real, or I don't want to say the real, but there are amazing leaders and amazing occultists, which is whatever. I'm just going to say occultists. I'm just going to use occult, yeah. occult as, as umbrella term. There's amazing occult leaders out there, amazing occultists. Um, 
that are teaching and doing the work, but you you don't know them because they don't write books, they don't do podcasts, they're they too don't busy do running YouTube. groups. Um, and and so no one knows about them unless you're in their inner circle. So, um, you know, a, a, a festival organizer doesn't know they exist. Sure. And they can't reach out to them. So, I mean, you know, so no, it's not, it's not shitting on uh, festival organizers. Um, and again, too, it's like, well, do you as a festival organizer, do you make decisions on what your festival is going to be based on three other ones in other parts of the country? Not really, mm-hmm. you know, not really. I mean, okay the the same 15 people that are speaking at this festival in in new york state are coming to mine in california well chances are the people the attendees at mining in california are going to be different than the attendees mm-hmm. of, of that festival in new york state so yeah it's just it's unfortunate i i, I want to hear from you know the the awkward youtuber who every time they turn on their shitty webcam to talk about whatever they always knock over a candle and start their drapes on fire i yeah. want from the, i i i want to see them up on stage i want to see do. Them i do too yeah. uh but you know i i get it i get it it's just it's unfortunate it's unfortunate so my friend, I, I'm going to have to wind down here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, where are we at? We're at the we're at the two hour mark. We're about the yeah. two hour mark. Yeah, that's fun. Um, okay, well, so well, um, since uh, you know you're you should be hawking your books here. Right. <laughs> Who's ready uh, for my promos? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we talked about one, but you didn't even say the title of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, give the title, give a quick spiel and yeah. Sure. And, and then, and then um, we can shut it down. Sounds good. Uh, so the book that we've spent the most time talking about is Traditional Wicca, A Seeker's Guide, um, which I originally wrote as a young Gardnerian coven leader to kind of provide access for folks who are interested in initiatory Wicca explicitly. So like coven-based right, hierarchical lineage Wicca. Um, But after the fact, I realized that a lot of the stuff that went into that book actually applies to groups more broadly, just because so much of it is about how to find groups, how to assess a group and decide it's the good fit, how to convince them to let you join or how to tell them to fuck off if they're terrible, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and those things apply whether or not it's Wicca that you're interested in. Um, if you've also just ever been curious about what healthy hierarchy looks like, that's a book that might appeal to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd also invite folks who think that they know a lot about Wicca um, to read it and maybe reconsider that there's some stuff out there if they're not practitioners that maybe they don't know. Right. Um, things like right the read and the threefold law and all the stuff that everybody thinks like Wiccans are obsessed with. And actually those things don't always exist in traditional Wicca. Right. And like, yeah. what does Wicca look like when you don't have those things? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the audience for that book. My upcoming title coming out in September is The Witch's Path, Advancing Your Craft at Every Level, which I'm very excited about because it's a broad book. I've written it for 
um, witches as a whole. But again, I think it could apply kind of to a cultist broadly too. Mm -hmm. And instead of focusing on individual traditions or experience levels, what I do is I focus on kind of the phenomenon of being stuck. Like, what does it feel like to hit a plateau, to hit a okay. wall, to feel like, like when we talk here about doing the work, what does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. So for example, instead of like a chapter about like, these are the gods of witches and this is how you worship the gods of witches, blah, blah, blah. I have a chapter about devotion. What is that? What does that mean? Are we devoted to outside external spirits and entities? What about the concept of the self and the true will? What does devotion do for people and why do they do it? And how might you do it? What does that look like? Um, so it's very broad. I've also done what classroom teachers call differentiation, um, where I have written for multiple audiences. So it's one book, but there are activities in it designed for people who are beginners, just looking to get started, never done a ritual. You know, me, when I was a kid who was like, how do I do the ritual? Right. Um, even though I've read a book or two. But it's also for coven leaders who are dealing with burnout. There's stuff for them. It's for the armchair occultist who's like, I've read a whole lot, but like, how do I actually, you know, give a shit and actually develop a personal practice? Okay. Um, it's broad concepts, but the actual activities, exercises, ideas are framed for all of those groups individually. Um, I'm very excited about it. It was a very difficult book to write. I hope people don't hate it. I really love it a whole lot. Right. Um, please buy it so that I can move to the pagan author mansion in Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Hills, and it's a neighborhood. Beverly, it's Beverly Hills. Beverly yes. Hills, and it's a neighborhood. Yeah. It's a name. See, I don't even know. I need them to let me in. I don't have enough money. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can find me on social media if you Google Thorn Mooney, or if you're on Instagram, I'm Thorn the Witch. Right. Um, right. YouTube, all the socials, pretty much. Type my name in. I'll come up. It'll be yeah. And fun. I'll add um, all of your your links and everything in the show notes anyway, so people can go to the show notes and you know click from there and. Right. Uh, like yeah. and subscribe and follow and all of your wildest dreams will come true uh, <laughs> there you go uh -huh. I, I wish i knew about that that it was just that simple i just had to like uh, drive are you afraid you're not a real witch yeah subscribe to me <laughs> that's how you become one. Oh god and i'm tired all right for five hundred dollars a month mm -hmm. that's funny <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being on Deluxe Files. I really enjoyed it. This was really, really good. This was perfect ending to my day. I did not have a good day. Just um, it's just the crap day of just not the fun stuff, not the creating, not the rituals. It was hauling half a ton of wax upstairs and downstairs. So this was the perfect way to. Um, to chill out and end my day. So I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. And uh, for everyone who's listening, um, thank you. And like I said, all the links will be in the show notes. So enjoy your wax. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lux Files. You'll find all the guest links in the show notes, as well as the link www.leilokanzawin.com links. 
That link will get you to my page of links where you can then go to my Lay Lokens Alwyn website, the Lux Files page, and my Lay Lokens Alwyn YouTube channel that has all the Lux Files videos. It also has all my social media links there so you can follow me and the Lux Files. And don't forget to subscribe to the Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving me a review. Until next time.